Welcome to the Biggest Win Sales Podcast. Alexander here. Good day. Good day, listener. Good day, viewer. I am in the backyard of the St. James Cathedral. I love it here. I just love spending time in this place. And it's really close to my office, which is a bonus. So I just want to explain quickly on why the Biggest Win Sales Podcast has not been coming to you for the last couple of weeks. As you've been listening, I've been interviewing enterprise sales executives, sales leaders, country managers, VPs, really influential people, really great people, overachievers. And I was thinking about and considering, you know, full time in going back into sales and uh, in, in the recruitment industry. And I actually I was keeping the door open to other things. And I got this wonderful advice and it came from many of my guests and they said that if you want to take it to the next level then associate yourself with a brand get involved and join a good brand so I I have just been inspired by all my guests I want to be a great sales professional like all these other wonderful people so I decided that I was going to go back into the market. So I started a job search. I hadn't had a job in God knows how long. It's been a long time. I've been, a, I've been fully self-employed for most of the last 13 or 14 years. So I reached out to the Tal Group. They were a company I joined back in 2005. And I was only there for a really short time. But after I left, I always kept in touch with Imad and Farad. They are phenomenal. They're phenomenal, phenomenal people, uh, great owners, great partners. And they took me back. They took me back with open arms. And I'm really excited about it because now I'm back focusing on enterprise software sales. And they know what they're doing. They're not order takers. They are interested in quality and top performing talent. So they've got a number of wonderful clients, Fortune 500, Emerging Technologies. I'm really excited. I'm really excited and I'm really happy. I'm just happy to be in an office full of fantastic, happy people. So that's why I haven't been around. I have just been on the job search and then I've just been, pre been preparing for this job. So with that being said, I started getting into a better routine and I started editing some of my episodes. And here today, I bring you the finished product, product with my guest, Eliane Gando. Eliane is a great person. I've had a wonderful time talking to her. She's very goal-oriented. She has great energy and she has a story or two to share on this podcast. So please listen. She's terrific. She's wonderful. Uh, I really do like her and admire her greatly. So I hope you are enjoying the podcast. I have about seven or eight episodes left to go for season number one. So I hopefully I'll be doing those, uh, publishing those weekly. And if you happen to have any advice or any suggestions on the program, please let me know. And because I'd like to change things up for season number two. If you need to reach out to me, or if you'd like to reach out to me, I should say alexander at biggestwin.ca, or you can access me by email, lauren, A-L-A-U-R-I-N-A, -A -A, at talgroup.net. So that's it. If you're watching on uh, YouTube or you're watching on LinkedIn, then the link to the podcast will be the first comment that you see. 
And my listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. Now I bring you my featured guest, Eliane Gaindol. I hope you enjoy the program. Bye for now. Eliane Gangdon has more than 20 years of experience within the information technology sector in companies such as HP and IBM. Prior to joining SAP, she worked as a client executive at SAS Canada, focusing on federal government accounts, as well as partners such as KPMG, Deloitte, and E&Y. She is a goal-oriented professional with experience in both the private and public sector. Over the years, she has developed strong sales and account management skills, which led her to achieve excellent results. Eliane has started her career as an account manager at Purolator in Montreal after graduating. In her spare time, Eliane practices hot yoga several times a week. She is a mother of two girls that keeps her very busy. She has a passion for good red wine and fine food. Eliane, welcome to The Biggest Win. Alexander, thank you very much. Okay, so I, I I need to know, or maybe I don't need to know, but what's your favorite glass of red wine, and what it, what what is it paired with? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I am a very picky red wine drinker, and my favorite is from the Napa Valley, Napa region, mm-hmm. and it is called Camus. And there's nothing like a glass of good Camus Cabernet Sauvignon with a filet mignon. Mmm, very good. <laughs> I'm getting really hungry and thirsty for the start of this podcast. Wonderful. And do, and, and do you have a favorite restaurant that you, you have your wine and filet mignon, your Cabernet? Actually, um, I'm a, my favorite is tapas style. So mm. I like pairing... I like having little bites of uh, different different types of uh, appetizers and, and meals. And I like to pair it with the different types of wine. And I love the different tastes that it promotes and it does within your mouth and how, it, uh, how each taste and each meal is different. Excellent. It's so interesting. You know, I used to be a waiter and a server way back in the day when I lived in Ottawa. And uh, used to work at a tapas restaurant, sold red wine, and loved the filet mignon. Oh, that's great answer. So strange. Anyways, let's, let's go back to sales. Eliane, <laughs> <laughs> when did you become goal-oriented, and has that attributed to, to your success? Alexander, absolutely. Uh, if there's one thing that keeps me going all the time is to set goals and objectives from a professional and a personal perspective. I feel that you should always be aiming as high as you possibly can and uh, not withholding and not uh, putting aside the uh, trying and errors, but uh, that's what makes a perfectly round, well-rounded person. And um so from a professional, uh, goals is, is very, very important. You have to know where to aim. And other, in other words, any map can help and any map will do. But if you have an actual goal to reach, then that's how you can be successful. And, and where did you goal setting up? I think naturally, uh, this has been innately within me. Um, I've always been someone who's been a driver uh, from the start, from my childhood, 
all the way to university and in my career. And what I realized even from, so that's professionally and even from a personal perspective, uh, a few years ago, I started running and I realized I, my success in running had to, was actually associated to a goal. So once I associated it to a special run, like a half K or 10 K in an actual event, it made me that much more successful. So that's uh, definitely something from a sales perspective and that you look for within the individuals as well. I know I picked up goal setting uh, maybe two years ago and it was a life changer. Absolutely changed my life, uh, focusing, writing it down and uh, really accomplish, accomplishing it. Because once you accomplish it, you feel really good about it and you want to keep doing more. What, what does you do you have like a, a monthly strategy or, or how do you, how do you go about with your goals? So professionally, I think that's just the nature of the sales, um, being sales executives. Um, of course, management definitely drives all those goals. Um, but then monthly, I, I try to give myself personal because I sell to federal government right now. Um, it's a longer sales cycle. So I make the goals attainable, achievable, like you just mentioned. Very good point. It, you feel that's how you feel that uh, you've actually accomplished something. And um, so from a monthly perspective, uh, I try because federal government is a longer sales cycle, I almost gate the different areas of the objectives to get to close of the opportunity. And that could mean meeting an assistant deputy minister or internally getting the architecture finalized. It's different areas within uh, the sales cycle that I set different goals. Why, why sell into the federal government? Was it something that you stumbled into? Uh, so, Alexander, I think the locality of where I live uh, is pretty much uh, a given within Ottawa. You have really only two choices. You either have the high-tech community, which is, you know, the Nortel originators who have started a whole bunch of high-tech startups, which uh, in that, from that perspective, a lot of those organizations, it demands a tremendous amount yeah. of traveling. Uh, so, uh, being a mom with two girls and so on, I, it, there's also the federal government within Ottawa. And federal government, uh, I found, suited my personality. Um, I like the politics. I'm perfectly bilingual. Um, the networking that it entails and um, more of the longer sales cycle and understanding. It's process-oriented, which probably aligns to my goal orientation. Um, and uh, so that fits better my personality. Well, what are some of those personality traits that, that enable you to be successful selling to the into the federal government? So actually, uh, I, I find that um, uh, from a federal government perspective, and I, you could probably relate this to any sales cycle or sales executive, um, there's a two sides I find to a sales executive. There's the one side that is uh, theoretical, I call it. Uh, if you follow the process, if you check mark the sales cycles of you know um, prospects, and then uh, you've covered the contracting and the legal and the pricing, and you've gotten your approvals and gotten buy-in from funding, and so the regular sales process. But then I also find that um, 
there's also a whole other side of being genuine, positive energy, um, listening, being creative in how you craft the deal or how you distinguish yourself differently from the competitors, a big, big, big side of the sales process that a lot of people don't necessarily, when you do go through sales training and all this stuff, cover as much. And I feel that is just as important going with your gut feeling, going with your, um, uh, making sure that you're reactive or creative and always asking yourself the why. Why am I? What's the differentiators? Why would they go with myself, with our organization than any other? And that I've learned throughout the years, having worked for very large enterprises, uh, such like you mentioned, HP, IBM, SAS, now with SAP. I constantly challenge my teams in answering the why, because a lot of those organizations, you could literally change the logo and functionality, the solution is the same. So you really, in these competitive markets, you really have to distinguish yourself so that you have that one, two edge and especially with federal governments, it's RFP based. It's you have to have that differentiators. Eliane, you had mentioned some of the characteristics, and and you you said the word energy. Do you often check in with yourself and your energy prior to meeting a prospect or in, you know starting a sales call? Oh my gosh, constantly. <laughs> and so from a personality, I tend to have, uh, I would say, overabundant uh, energy. And it's actually why I started the hot yoga. <laughs> a lot of people used to meet me and go, are you nervous? And I'm like, no, I just have lots of energy. So um, from a sales executive and, and achieving uh, and being successful, um, I'm actually someone who's probably have to drum down a little bit of my energy because I get so in, enthralled and passionate and I drive and and so the high yoga has actually helped me. But it's also the aspect of whatever is going on from a personal perspective. Don't it, try not to keep that distinguishy separate from when you meet your customers because they pick up, not completely, you can have, you know, if you've built a great relationship with the customer, there's always a genuine uh, give and take in your conversations and they can pick up and you can eventually share. But the energy, the positiveness, the it really portrays and it, people pick up on that and it really makes a difference in success. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels good too. I know that um, when I before I make a phone call, and if I'm not feeling quite so great, I change my physiology and I just start smiling. Maybe I'm like running on the spot, I get myself all excited, and it, and it's a big it's it it, it 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 makes a significant change in in how you present yourself. Absolutely. And that's a really good point, Alexander. Just a, a little story on that. When I uh, initially started in high tech, uh, I started at Corral, Corral Corporation at the time. Oh, my gosh, it was the company to work for in Ottawa. And uh, I have an interesting. So uh, on that uh, positiveness and changing your physical aspect, actually, they had given us little desk mirrors so that when we sat on the phone, 
you actually saw yourself speaking and, and I, it really made a difference because you could tell almost, you know, oh gosh, okay, I need to, you know, sit up and look more positive even though you're on the phone. So that's an interesting um, perspective that you brought up. Absolutely. Where did you, did you, when you started, okay, so you started at Purelator and it, did, did they train you well? Did they set you up? Uh, no. <laughs> so um, Purelator, uh, I, I have to share, it was a long time ago, over 20, 25 years ago. And um, it was a great starting point. Um, but so I have to, it's a very man-oriented, I have to say, it was a very man-oriented sales job because of the nature of what I'm doing. I'm selling, you know, shipping. And so um, my initial role was um, to, uh, I was a junior account executive and I had to, I own the downtown core of Montreal and back then there wasn't much security. So I averaged about 75 to 100 cold calls a week. I would go up all the way up to the tallest building and I would do floor by floor introducing myself to all the receptionists. And it was, uh, you know, it was a great learning experience. Um, and they literally just said, you know, uh, it, it, go, <laughs> have fun. And there was no training. <laughs> Uh, so, um, but I have to admit that um, back so back then, cold calling was truly cold calling, and I loved it. I know it sounds very strange. As a sales representative, as a sales executive, I love it. I love meeting someone for the first time, and um, so I had a bit of a different perspective, a different personality, I guess you could say. But nowadays, if you were to ask me from, um, you know, today's, uh, from when I started my career to the biggest changes today, is that we have everything at our disposal because of social media, because of um, access to information that literally almost the cold call is almost, you have no reason not to actually know who you're calling almost up front. And you have great access to be able to have um, like a connection right away if you've taken the time to actually, if they're available, obviously on LinkedIn or social media, to have a connection point to, to connect even faster. Whereas back then there was very little right? Very, very little uh, technology. So that's changed tremendously. What kind of company, Eliane, do you think someone, a young sales professional, what kind of company do you think that they should, they should work for when they're starting off their career these days? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a, oh, um, you mean in what field? Uh, uh, someone, someone starting off a sales career, and I mean, should they join like a, a large organization? Should they get into technology? Should they get into something else? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, um, I believe that uh, the larger organizations, I, I would, I would personally uh, suggest a larger organization to start off with. Just because of you learn so much 
from the extended internal teams. A lot of these organizations like HP and IBM, they're fantastic training grounds. And you understand the complexities, the process driven, they're, they're obviously more structured, but from a training, it sets a path uh, that is good habits, I guess you could say. But it's also that you could learn so much from mentors. You can learn so much from the extended internal team that if I were fresh out of university, I would definitely look at the large organizations and they have so much opportunity internally. And then at that point, when I've gained some great experience, I think it would be so valuable to then spin off to more of a higher, like a smaller organization in the high-tech industry and bring that knowledge forward to uh, those organizations. And and have you had some outstanding mentors over the years? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would suggest that I continue having them mm-hmm. from a growth perspective and learning perspective. Uh, I've had them throughout my career and I learned quickly to set some up around me that I can always genuinely be myself and ask those crazy questions <laughs> um, that you don't want to ask your boss, let's say, and that you can ask them because they've had more either experience or they're, uh, you know, I have a mentor that uh, a friend of mine that's in the pharmaceutical industry, totally mm-hmm. different, but same sales executive. So uh, asking, how do you approach this? And what do you do? And they they come up with different ideas, different approaches. And so mentors aren't necessarily the people in your industry, but from a career even perspective in the same careers. Would you like to uh, drop a name or two? Oh, I could, (laughs) (laughs) but I wouldn't even know where to start. (laughs) Um. Well, and I could say, actually, uh, you know, um, if you were to ask me truly my first sales job, and I have a little story, um, my parents, especially my dad, um, he was 100% commission his wow. entire life. And he retired in the, his late 70s or early 70s. And so when I was born... <laughs> Um, I could argue that I started my sales career when I was a very small child. And if I were to ask for a cookie (laughs) and they would say no, I would say, may I have half? And they would say no. Then eventually I would say, can I have a bite? And so the sales career started very young for me. And I would argue that probably one of my biggest mentors uh, throughout my life uh, from that perspective the drive, I guess you could say, and the goal-oriented came from originally from nice. from my parents. Very nice. Um, I I suspect that you have um, maintained enthusiasm on a regular basis. Uh, am I correct? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> How do you deal with the you know deals that you've lost, um, fires that start? Um, you know, life come, has its ups and downs. How do you, how do you deal with the downs? So um, I can say that earlier in my career, um, I have learned, I would take it very personally. Um, and I, you know, it was, 
I used to look at it very personally and not necessarily as a learning experience. Throughout the years, uh, my management have been uh, very lucky to have some incredible managers and realize that um, it is an absolute learning experience. And to actually seize that and understand and actually post uh, post situation to analyze it and learn from what you should have, or I never, I actually am never someone who does should have, would have, but at least take note of we could have, uh, or here's where we missed out, or here's where, uh, you know, engage uh, um, contracting earlier, or so I look at them as great uh, learning experience, improvement, and how to make things better. So when you say, you know, to not take it personally, you, it sounds like you look at things logically. Do you, did that just come over time and maturity? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Over time and maturity, realize that um, you learn from these experiences. And the other side I would add is that um, uh, I, you know, this whole <laughs> This whole pipeline and forecast that exists in our sales executive jobs, I've learned over time that um, it is actually better to deal with it as soon as possible and speak the truth of these opportunities so that you can deal with them immediately and try to make them more successful or quicker, faster if you're in a situation where... Um, you see things sliding or uh, troubles within the opportunity. And that's also what I've learned throughout the years is that management really cares more about the truth and the situation, and they're there to help you as opposed to being um, an island sinking, thinking, how am I going to fix this? So the more upfront the truth of, you know, sandbaggers, you know what the expression of forecasting and sandbaggers, well, or, you know, waiting till the last minute and say, oh, it slipped. No, I find that um, now with analytics and, and sales, things are changing and they have more insight and it's better to be truthful and a sharp sales executive than to hide and and make everyone non-successful. Yeah. Excellent advice. What's the biggest challenge for sales professionals today, Eliane? Um, hmm. I, I, so a couple things come to mind. Um, I find that um, the value, and I know this may sound, sound funny, but the value of the sales executive is changing due to customers being more knowledgeable and accessing and doing things much more themselves than back then when you used to have to inform your customers. They're much more informed. So you almost have to transform yourself in a different way, in a different value of how you approach customers. Because most of the, a lot of the time what I'm finding out is they're almost more knowledgeable than yourself from a company or from a solution. So you have to redefine your value or position your value, not redefine, but really define the sales executive role and the value that you bring to 
the actual organization. Not sure if that makes sense, but. <laughs> yeah. What's your best piece of advice for this new generation of sales professionals? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> Go for um, it. Go. Uh, well, so I would suggest the why is a big, big area. If you're constantly asking yourself why, the differentiator, I really believe that that will make you successful. If you can answer the why as if you were the customer, then I think that that really makes you as an advantage to anybody else. Even you look at the why, not only from a who you're representing from a company, but the why as a, you bring it in from a personal perspective, understanding the why it's important for the customer personally and for the organization. And as soon as you put all of those together, that's really what makes you successful and trusted advisor. Um, so that's number one for sure. The other thing is, is that we forget what I've learned the most. I've represented some very independent, non-large organization in the past. And my biggest uh, learning in the larger organization was the extended internal team. Uh, you are you have to sell almost more internally than externally and take advantage of those mentors internally. They know the organization. They are coming from a different organization. They have different views, different perspectives, different ways of doing things. And we forget that um, that's a huge value to making yourself successful as well. And then thirdly, I would say um, the genuine. The, the genuine listening, creative, the personal side of a sales that really makes, at the end of the day, why people buy from people. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, Alexander? Yes. Yes. I have one small story that I would love to share, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, do it. Um, how I got on into IT. And um, so... If you don't mind, I'll just share how I got into the high-tech industry. Um, so when I was at Purelater, I saw this job opening at Corel. And Corel was my first high-tech job. In, and now I'm dating myself, 1994. And it was for the account executive for France. And because I was bilingual and in Ottawa, I said, gee, I really want this job. And so what I did is um, I took a box and I put a small bottle of red wine, a bunch of grapes, and a box of those little dry raisins. And I took a quote that said, if you take a bunch of raisins and you let them sit, they'll turn to raisins. But if you take, if you, uh, sorry, if you, uh, if, uh, if you take a bunch of grapes and let them sit, they'll turn to raisins. But if you cultivate them properly, they'll turn to fine wine. And then I said, please accept the following as my application. And I got it delivered to Michael Copeland, the CEO <laughs> owner of Corral. And that's how I got the job. Wow. <laughs> of course, I did the interview process and so on. But I just thought I'd share. You have to think out of the box. You have to think creative. You have to differentiate yourself. Wow, I love that. That's amazing. Um, and Michael Copeland, if you're gonna, if you're going <laughs> to give him a bottle of wine, it's not a cheap bottle of wine. 
<laughs> well, it, it was the smaller <laughs> bottle and knowing my love of wine, but it had to fit into this one box. And back then there was not much security, right? right? So we were able to deliver it on his desk because I worked for Pierre later. So I knew uh, the person who could deliver it. And <laughs> I schemed up this whole thing. Oh, that's great. Great. Very, you're very resourceful. You have to be a resourceful sales professional, don't you? Absolutely. All right, Elian, are you ready for the biggest win sales challenge? I'm ready. I've got 15 questions. I'll give you 60 seconds to answer all 15. If you're stuck, just say pass, and I'll move on to the next question. Let's see how many questions you can answer correctly. The score to beat is nine. I'm putting 60 seconds on the clock. The clock will begin after I ask you the first question. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> In a typical 60-minute sales call, how many minutes did researchers find the salesperson talked versus the client? 47 minutes, 30 minutes, or 20 minutes? 47. What state was sold by Spanish King Ferdinand VII to the Americans? California, Florida, or Louisiana? California. What will move you forward and closer to your goals? Uh, pass. If you have to eat two frogs, which one should you eat first? The right one. The sale of what was prohibited during prohibition? Alcohol. True or false, Sales Pums is a Netflix original comedy series set to be released in 2019. True. What does FAB stand for? F-A-B. Pass. <laughs> What's the definition to a cold call? Uh, uh, calling someone out of the blue. There you go. Very good. I should say, what's the definition of a cold call? Uh, to a cold call. Congratulations. You did wonderful. I. Do you want to hear your score? Uh, eight. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I count five. Five. Very good. Five, five is very good. Was that 15 questions? Uh, well, you only had 60 seconds to answer oh. all 15. Okay. But it's okay. All right. So, um, Florida. I figured I answered Florida after is... California. I said, no, 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 it's Mexico. It's on the right. It's whatever. No. Okay. It's funny. Okay. So, uh, it was Florida, Florida. Um, eat two frogs. So you said the right one. I would have also taken the ugliest. And, um, I said, what did you get? Did you get any wrong? Sales bombs. I made that up. I passed on oh, FAB. Yeah. Fab features, advantages, benefits. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Eliane, thank you so much for playing my game. Thank you for indulging me. No, thank you. It's been wonderful. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So um, it's called the Biggest Win Sales Podcast. Would you mind sharing something about one of your biggest wins? I can. Um, so... Um, so, Alexander, I've had a, quite a few in my career. I've been very lucky or very successful. And um, one in particular was for a utility company in eastern Canada. And um, 
I was at the time working for a software company, but I was representing professional services, which is always a bit of a challenge in a software company because software sales precedent, it's licensing, and then the services is usually um, somewhat after. Um, or complementing, obviously, to implement the software, but um, it uh, services takes uh, more of a, a different route. The licenses is more important. Anyways, back to this. Uh, it was the largest. Um, it was the largest professional services contract that this large enterprise software company had ever sold in Canada. Mm-hmm. It was a fixed price, and um, it was for an entire. Uh, delivery implementation uh, for a process uh, help desk from start to finish. And it was a competitive process and it was also an RFP process. And um, so we were very successful because we were ahead of the RFP. We had teams that were part of the defining of all the requirements, the architecture, the implementation, uh, all of the business process changes. So from a business, from a technology, from a licensing, we need a budget. And so uh, it brings me back to the why, the differentiators, the extended team internally, and uh, a lot of the um, creativeness and goal-oriented that I had been talking about. And uh, we were very successful. And uh, uh, that's how we were able to put it all together. Nice. And did everything just align perfectly? Um, It was challenging from a pricing. Um, I would say we had to go to the highest levels of management because in order to win the opportunity, we really had to justify and um, explain internally why we needed such a competitive pricing and we also needed to partner in order to blend our pricing in order to win and so that was a uh, very challenging because you had to work with external partners and negotiate internally externally contracts um, and so on so months of 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 preparation and bidding and and so on and I remember well earlier in the podcast you'd mentioned about you know taking advantage of the internal team, get mentorship internally, uh, work with people internally, uh, those sort of things. And I I could see like the the flip side of it is here too, where you 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 have the, these stresses internally, uh, especially when it comes to like competitive pricing. No, absolutely. You had to justify because there's also rules around price certification and giving certain lower prices to others right yeah. so it's it's a real challenge when it gets to a competitive uh, rfp processes yeah. eliana it was so wonderful to have you on the podcast i've always enjoyed talking to you in the past can you please let the listener know how to connect with you and if there's anything else you'd like to add please do the floor is yours Oh, uh, well, thank you very much, Alexander. I was uh, quite honored, actually, when you asked me to do this. I love giving back, and I feel that I'm in a a place in my career that uh, I really enjoy sharing my experiences. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm on Twitter, so I'm the only Eliane, (laughs) easy to find, in Ottawa. So I'd be more than happy. I'll send you my LinkedIn profile link, um, and they can connect with me there. Absolutely. And would you would you like to give a shout out to your girls? 
Oh, yes, that's great. I have uh, two girls and uh, they keep me very busy and very motivated. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, Clara, who's 12, and Laura, who's 16. And they are my my love of my lives, my life. Nice. Thanks again, Eliane. No, thank you, Alexander. Really appreciate it. That concludes today's episode of the Biggest Win Sales Podcast. Stay tuned for the bonus portion of the show, the podcast in a podcast, the Sales Podcast Improv. Listener, if you'd like to get if you'd like to connect with me, send me an email at alexander at biggestwin.ca or call my office at 647-417-0517. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourself a wonderful day and goodbye for now. Welcome to the Sales Podcast Improv. This is a micro-podcast about a sales interaction with a sales professional and a customer. I wrote a bunch of words, cut them out, and my dad, Alexander, placed them in a box. While you hear this message, he's picking a random word. He and his guests will create a 3-5 to five minute sales improvisation on that word. I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye! Well, what a lovely place this is. I have come to buy a cup. Oh, hello. Uh, can you help me? Hello, Alexander. Hello, I'm Eliane. What can I help you with? Well, Eliane, I'm a little scared that you already know my name, but uh, I'm looking <laughs> for a cup. Oh, I do have a name tag on. Let me. Okay, good. Um, I am looking for a cup. I was sent here by my wife to buy a cup. She currently does not like all the cups. They have stains in them. They are not uh, attractive. And, you know, I need to find a cup for my wife. Can you tell me what I should be doing here? It's very complicated. <laughs> well, let me see if I can help you out. It sounds like your wife already knows what uh, she has some criteria. So what exactly do you know? What? does she actually like? Well, Can you share some of the aspects she likes? Some colors, yeah. some forms? Well, geez, I don't know. You know, I think I need a cup to match my wife's personality. You know, she really enjoys reading and she likes to nag me a little, um, and but don't tell her that. And uh, she also enjoys, uh, you know, meditation. So do you have like a reading, nagging, meditation side, uh, sort of cup? <laughs> so uh, may I call you Alexander? Yeah, so sure. what is this cup used for? Drinking. <laughs> drinking, <laughs> um, and, drinking. Yeah, just drinking liquids. <laughs> oh, okay. Also on and this, are they also, usually... I, I do have to tell you. Uh, also on display we tend to have the, a nice table and my wife is very fond of doilies and 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 the, using a cup as a centerpiece oh interesting yes. okay and so within these drinking liquids what temperature would you suggest it's for cold hot 
uh, any particular beverage? Um, well, I would say that um, it would suit her mood, so let's just go with cold. Okay. And uh, when you suggest cold, um, was, does she like it to be kept cold for longer periods of time? You know, I I don't know. I don't spend that much time with her. I just I'm just getting out of the house here. <laughs> I'm just trying to get out. I needed a walk. She really wanted a cup. Um, you know, she's not around. I just put tequila in it. Um, you know, I, how about this one over here? This one's very sparkly. I, I don't know if that's a diamond encrusted in it. Can you tell me a little bit about this one? Absolutely. So this one in particular that you're looking for or that you're looking at um, would uh, keep her liquids cold and safe while she's reading and meditating in case, you know, you wouldn't want to knock it over or so on because it's fairly high in uh, in height. Uh, but also it can be used from a decorative perspective mm -hmm. on her doilies. Um so it's, it's kind of like a multitask cup. Nice. Now it is on the higher end of the cost, but it's definitely the fact that it actually has a multitask to it. It's definitely worthwhile. All right, I like it. And people, it's a talking piece. People will be attracted to looking at this cup. Very good. I'm just curious. Uh, do do people often come into the store and tell you talk about doilies? Do, do doilies still exist? <laughs> It's um, a word I got from my grandma. I hear that they're coming back in fashion. I hear oh. that actually um, a lot of the more traditional uh, furniture and classical and antique styles are coming back. So who knows? Maybe the doilies will be coming back. <laughs> it depends if the doilies have a sentimental value as well. If they're historically been in the family, then definitely worth uh, exposing. Nice. Oh, thank you. Well, look, um, my phone is vibrating in my back pocket. I know that she's calling me. Let's just do it. Here's my credit card. Ring me through. I'll take it. Well, you know what? It, this is a definitely a good decision and your wife will love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been so insightful on helping me on cups. I'm sorry. What's the name of the store? I just walked in. Cups are for you. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, thank you very much. Bye. Thanks, Alexander. See you soon.